gentlemen and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things with your host, Sean and Max. Thank you, producer Mr. E. Appreciate Thank that. You. We were fucking around. <laughs> I hit the mic, sorry. I know, you and I were trying to throw him off his stride, but he just wasn't having it. Producer E was on top of it. <laughs> Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, this just said Mr. E has ants. Um, and now, <laughs> and now after that, we're going to said you about, wouldn't tell anybody. I know, but it was a fascinating story oh, and I God. wanted everyone to know. So this just did on the better than most things news. It's happening. Story at eight. Um, also, I'd like to go back to the Mars rover discussion we had last week Ooh. about the perseverance and how it just launched on its six yeah, month yeah. Jo- voyage like to quick- Mars quick 30 second recap about what it, or i can't even remember what your story was honestly i just remember it was perseverance did you say it launched or did you know any other info it uh launched uh it's on a six month journey to mars and once it lands on mars it will look for life and it'll okay. gather samples that will one day be sent back to earth unlike any other well, here's, here's what i read about it do you remember uh that same episode when you when you talked about perseverance i asked was that the helicopter one and we're like uh, i don't yeah. know and i was like like, I don't know. It, it is. It is the helicopter one. So I, I studied up on the helicopter that's also on the Perseverance that's on the way to Mars right now. No shit. So wait a minute. Yes. This is like, um what was that Mars movie with Val Kilmer and uh, Tom Sizemore? Oh. oh, Red Planet. Red Planet. Isn't that Red yeah. Planet? I think so. One of them. It was Mission to Mars, Mars or Res- oh, Red Mission Planet. Mar- they came out at the same Mystery. time. What is it? But I'm, wait, I'm going to vote. I think it's Red Planet. I think so, too. Because that okay. was more of a horror movie. Not the one with the robots that had like the power. Red Planet. All right. Yeah, they had a they had a robot with them, Amy, and Amy on her back had a detachable uh, drone that would go scout out things for her. Essentially, that is exactly what it is. That's hilarious. Um, so this one is called Ingenuity, and it's strapped to the bottom of Perseverance. The bottom, and it's a four. Yeah, well, I think it's the bottom. Wherever the fuck, it's all relative. Okay, it's on it. It's all wrapped on it. Um, and it's a four-pound helicopter, and it's called Ingenuity, like I said. And uh, a few months after it touched down, it's going to attempt to fly solo. It's going to rise 10 feet into the air its first time, and then fly forward six feet. And then it's going to keep making more and more attempts, and each time trying to go a little higher, a little farther. Oh, I want to send you guys a picture, and I wanna, I'm going to post this on our Instagram as well. BTMT underscore podcast. Um. I want you to describe it to the audience really quick. You're going to describe in pictures. Oh, now I got to go I'm, open I'm, up. I'm the good thing at editing. And... I know. I know. We're, we're, we're not a crack crew here quite yet. All right, give me a minute here. What's it, what's it called? No, no, I just sent you the picture All right. in the chat. And like I said, you're going to describe and stuff so what would you say that looks like all right what we're looking back what we're looking at here is a shoebox covered in tin foil with uh hell yeah looks like uh some sort of they look like, like bungee cords, but obviously top? they're legs but uh then they had two giant rotors on top uh like and then a solar panel on top of that maybe yeah, it's pretty small and compact. Dude, he's right on it with that shoebox. I'm so glad you looked at this and took the time because, yeah, it does. <laughs> shoebox with tinfoil on it. Exactly what it looks like. So, okay, back to the story. Golf clubs. So there you go. Ingenuity. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So it's called Ingenuity. And um, so the the project manager, her name is Mimi Ong, I think is her, how you pronounce it. And she has one month to squeeze in as many helicopter hops as possible before the rover moves on to more pressing geologic work. So I guess when it lands, she's going to just have her little allotted bit of time where she's just going to fly a helicopter around Mars. Okay. Why, why is, why is her time limited? 
they said it had to go do other stuff. I'm assuming there's a lot of stuff this this thing can do. So we're not going to say the whole time. It said it wanted to do pressing geologic work, but another part of it said that Perseverance, the the rover to Mars, sports the latest landing tech plus the most cameras and microphones ever assembled to capture the sights and sounds of Mars. So I'm assuming it needs to do just a bunch of other stuff while it's up there. And then you know, I don't know this. This is all just guess now. But so yeah, that's the that's the rover. I'm guessing there's something that we're missing with the proximity of the rover to the helicopter. Oh yeah, I'm that assuming it just has to communication wise. The helicopter probably doesn't have power? enough hardware on it to support communication to Earth. So it, it networks to the rover, and the rover talks to Earth, I'm guessing. Yeah, it always needs to stay near the rover, but I see what you're saying. Like, why doesn't it just always fly around? Is why it... Well, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just curious about this window they're giving her. Why Why a month? Why don't you, you know, you're sending a, a land vehicle to Mars, and you're se- sending an air vehicle to Mars. Why are you only using the air vehicle for a month, if I'm understanding the story correctly? I don't know. I mean, maybe right. it just, they, they basically want to see what it can do type of deal for a long yeah. Cause it's a thin atmosphere. Who knows if it's good. They, they, they like it to like the Wright brothers moment of, okay, let's give it an actual try. So cool. in theory it should work, but you know, probably, you know, it's not going to work, but it's still, the idea is great too, because this could like show next generation helicopters could be scouting the whole Mars territory for like humans or, or robots or something like that. So if if it is like starts getting more advanced, they can just like okay, go check out three miles that way, and then come back and report. Instead of these little little rovers that move three feet a day, that'd be nice. Um, I'm wondering, you know, planes stall out when they get high in the atmosphere because the air gets thin and uh, their rotors, you know, move too fast through it, and they're not getting enough. Uh, you know, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Lift or suction through the rotor to create lift, whatever that is. Um, so they stall out. So, Suction. you know, I'm, I'm wondering, it, it'd be nice if all of our rovers in the future were uh, helicopters, but given the thinness of the atmosphere and our limited technology with drones anyways at the moment, you know, I don't see it happening in any time in the future or any time in the near future, I should say. For sure. For sure. Like half of our stories, it'll be in the distant future. Oh. Right. Right. One last thing about Perseverance is um, one of those, one of one other thing it has is it, it has a super sanitized sample return tube for rocks that could hold evidence of, pa- of past Martian life, and it's supposedly the cleanest item ever bound for space. Ooh, that that's cool. We did a story not too long ago on um, the saltiest, warmest water on the planet that they suspected life was in, and um turns out it was just like contaminated samples and so nasa like really took heed of that and apparently this uh-huh. new test tube you're talking about here is the cleanest thing we've ever sent into space uh, I, I lost it oh god oh god but the answer is yes it is the cleanest item ever bound for space that's awesome i mean I thought so. that's why i wrote it down yeah because yeah, you know how clean they keep the rest of that technology I know what they do here. Extra, like maybe extra bleach. Oh, you know, bleach that thing twice. Science. <laughs> so speaking of extraterrestrial stuff, might as well get this out of the way. Um, oh, okay. So this the world's ending again. He gradually <laughs> brings up aliens. I know. This is a story out of the New York Times. So right. I want to preface that with incredible. What I'm about to tell you is pretty fantastical. But if something like the New York Times is running it, they have a lot more liability than you and I do. 
So, yeah. you know, I think we can take this uh, at face value or, okay. or start a religion around it, whatever. So, okay. Uh, the New York Times reports that a secret Pentagon task force is expected to release information about vehicles made from materials not of this earth. They're, they're not going to release it, are they? Are they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, kiss my ass. All right, kiss my ass, <laughs> New York Times. <laughs> Should I just move on to the next Any story now? now. I've, been hearing, I've been hearing that shit for years. We do know about the government, though. They did come out. We, didn't you just talk about this not too long ago? Like the, the yeah. What, what that did they, they talk about? That they, the, the program that they actually are studying are these vehicles. And, and they even said, like, yes, we really are studying them. And this is a real video. Yes, I did. It. So that, yeah. I did mention that. But here's another story, or here's another uh, little caveat to the story. Astrophysicist and former UFO consultant Eric W. Davis told the Times that he gave a classified briefing to a committee as recently as March on, quote unquote, off world vehicles not made of this earth. I mean, he could, yeah. I mean, I guess he could have talked about that, right? Been like they, they don't exist. Is what he could have said, (laughs) (laughs) and then they still would have been a a conversation about. Oh, that's exciting. That'd be great if they actually do release some actual proof. I mean, we've seen videos and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not anti that. But this is, you know, this is some New York Times. Now they're getting into the clickbait shit. I know, right? So, oh man, they went on to detail like a dozen different committees and task force that had been assembled to look into UFOs over the decades. I mean, there were at least a dozen. It was crazy, Uh and some of them are still around. Some of them have been disbanded and blah blah blah. But um, ultimately, you know, this comes on the heels of, like you said, that story I did uh, not too long ago about uh, the videos that are released by the Navy yeah. of UFOs interacting with their pilots and, you know, take that at face value. It, it's an unidentified flying object. It's not necessarily exactly. a Martian. So all of their kind of research is really done in the guise of does another nation on earth have this have technology this is Wakanda out there and we just can't see them. For sure. It's Bigfoot flying it. Yeah. Possibly. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I can't find them. <laughs> hey, I want to say I believe in aliens, by the way. I believe in aliens and I'm very pro-alien, but I still kind of just hold my breath because I feel like I've been hurt too many times. Where it's just always like, if I get elected president, I will release all the UFO evidence. And then they do. It's like, what? No, no, I don't know. So I was. Yeah. I mean, there's well, a know. list of times. presidents that have seen UFOs, right? Some have. Yeah. You and I claim to have seen a UFO. <laughs> Well, we that was a UFO, but it wasn't what you think of UFO when you say UFO. But it was. We didn't know what the fuck it was. That's right. That's right. We were sitting in uh, your car or something driving, and we were we just both yeah. simultaneously spotted a light out in the distance, and we didn't see anything to each other, but we just both looked at it, and then it dimmed, and then I think we spoke to each other like, "Did you see that?" Yeah. No, <laughs> we both saw it and kind of just silently saw it. Then it was gone, and then we kind of had that pregnant pause before we're like, that that was a light. I'd almost describe it like it looked like a firework, but there was no firework to go out. It just almost looked like it was the after part. Like, it just, like, appeared and was like, I'm fizzled out. Uh, Like, it never burst. I've thought about a flare, but I've seen flares, and it didn't look like a flare. It didn't, like, a flare kind of, like, has a little bit of a flash to it and everything. You know, it, it, uh... We were were smoking weed, too. But, (laughs) But... all right, now, now we're not we credible. credible. I know, I know, but I, I want to be honest. We were, but we've 
<laughs> we're good on that stuff. So we wouldn't we don't we don't see fucking you know pink elephants and shit. So I haven't seen UFOs lately, so Yeah, I guess I haven't either. So I read something cool about well, I don't know if it's cool, but um got my mind thinking about when you think of dinosaurs, you think of you know Jurassic Park and and Rar and Velociraptors and stuff. But this article is about finding cancer in dinosaurs. Ooh. Yeah. It was really interesting. It was a cancer that afflicts humans today. Okay. Same same type of cancer. I went to um, the Chicago Museum of Natural History and they had a uh, T-Rex there. I think it's, uh, her name's Lucy. I think it's the biggest T-Rex they found or the most complete T-Rex. I forget the specific, but um, they, you know, they give you a little presentation on it and they're pointing out spots on her bones where, uh, you know, she had arthritis here and she had... uh, you know, uh, an attack here and it healed weird and like just all the different things you could tell by the bones and the way they looked mm-hmm. and formed and blah, blah, blah. It's fascinating. So what are they doing with this one? Well, actually, you're 100 percent right about because um, when they found this um, bone, it it was um, like, give me one second. Sorry, you got me all. I, I always want to read an article of my notes, but then you say something from the end. I want to like jump to it. I'm like, wait, I actually know about that because, um, OK, they found the bone in 1989. And at first they thought it was a, a healing fracture. OK. Like and so, but then they studied more, uh, pretty much more intensely. They they uh, studied it, and they studied uh, the way, uh, um, the way uh, they would study a human patient is what they said. So they did a more thorough search of it, and that's when it revealed it was actually a cancer, an osteosarcoma, and a bone cancer. Like I said, that affects humans today. Ah. What's interesting is like this article mentioned other things. Like you were going on and saying that people had arthritis and stuff. It said T Rex may have suffered from gout. A duck-billed dinosaur had bone tumors. And then many species would have scratched at lice. Lice on dinosaurs? Yeah. How big are they? Like the size of ants? You know, they're tiny now. So would they be slightly larger? So I like the, I like that list. So I decided to add some of my own. So I'm like, yeah, Triceratops had herpes. Dryasloss had AIDS. Um, <laughs> Velociraptors had jingles. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I want to add to that list. But the, uh, those last three things, things are false, what I just said. But... <laughs> still, like, just the idea that they're all, like, I don't know, I think of a pristine, healthy dinosaur, not, like, some diseased one and stuff. So, anyway, back to this bone that they discovered the cancer. And um, it was a leg bone from a horned dinosaur called uh, Centrosaurus. Hmm. And it lived 76 million years ago. And, like I said, found in 1989. And then they found out it was a cancer. They studied it really thoroughly, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, here's what they did. They uh, The team compared uh, the fossil to a normal fibula from a dinosaur of the same species as well as a fibula belonging to a 19-year-old man who had an osteosarcoma, too. So that's what they're, they're like, comparing it that way. And be like, yeah, it's the same shit, man. Huh. That's a trip. So, hmm. I, I don't know too much about cancer, but I find it interesting that uh, humans like can same disease. share a disease with reptilians that existed 160 million years ago. It's like a bone disease, and I think it's just something like it grows where bones grow the most, whatever that means. <laughs> like wherever <laughs> grows bone, like I guess there's section on the body body where there's a bunch of bone growth more than other places. Oh, that makes sense. And during puberties and whatnot, maybe something like that. So, but actually, they this thing didn't die of the cancer. So, just didn't die of cancer. They just found that it had this like thing. Um, they actually think it died in a flood because it was it was um they found it in a massive bone bed. So, it suggested it was part of a large herd, and maybe it was struck down by a flood. I'll tell you what I love my dinosaurs. I've been I I've been to uh, Dinosaur National Park. 
that's here in the U.S. And uh, they found a riverbed, like you're saying, that was deposited with bones. And they uh-huh. identified like 25 species just on this one section of wall. Or that's they crazy. they eventually uh, excavated it and turned it into a wall into like into uh, a museum like there. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was. It, it's a lot of fun there. I love it. But um, thank God for riverbeds washing dinosaur bones because it's a grisly scene. <laughs> no, dude. Uh, dinosaurs ruled the earth. One more thing about the bone, really quick, and then I'll shut up about it. Um, <laughs> they're they're saying um the um the cancer would have had crippling effects for the dinosaur, and um so it probably would have been eaten by a, a T-Rex or something. But since it lived as part of a large reactive herd, it probably just survived that much longer. So this thing was like limping and fucked up, but living in a herd kept it alive and a fucking flood got it. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> but studying the diseases of the past will help scientists to gain a better understanding of the evolution and genetics of disease. Ah. I always think about Littlefoot. Yeah, you know I mean, how safe could they have been in that canyon? Floods, you're fucked. You know what I'm talking about? Dude, that movie's that movie's fucked. Yeah, I know Littlefoot is, but that, that movie's <laughs> fucked up, man. The behind the scenes of that shit's fucked up. What do you mean, behind the scenes? Of the Land Before Time movies? Yeah. Yeah, you don't know that, that shit? No. What's going on behind the scenes uh, of the Land Before Time uh, movies? Oh, dude, uh, that, uh, I think it's the Triceratop, the little cute Triceratop, like, hi, Littlefoot! You know what uh-huh. I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Sarah, that I think like her a, name is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After that movie came out, her dad killed her. Oh, my God. Fucking <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> She's dead. Uh, She's dead. Oh, yeah. All the voices in the other one. That's not her. Her dad went crazy and killed her. She might have killed himself, too. I'm not sure. He was crazy. He did some weird shit. That's tragic. Her. She's dead. Okay. Yeah, I know. Bummer. It's fucked up. <laughs> I, I, I would pay to see the look on your face every time I told you that. God, that was beautiful. You're just like, what? God, I thought it was going to be like, oh, the producer was an alcoholic. But no, like it really no. took a turn there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Mystery, you knew that, right? Yeah, I saw I saw him like <laughs> taking the deep breath, like "Oh dear, here it comes." <laughs> yeah, it's dark. It's a dork. Okay, I'm gonna try to lighten it up here. Yep. Uh, talking about things that are millions of years old, scientists were studying the seabed of what they call um, an abyssal plain, which mm. is located underneath Ooh. the Pacific Gyre. I like those words. Ooh. Oh, I know Pacific Gyre. Yeah, this has like World of Warcraft written all over it. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah, right. The world of Azeroth. The Abyssal Plain is located beneath the Pacific Gyre, and the Pacific Gyre is um, an oceanic pole of inaccessibility, meaning it is the site on Earth furthest away from any continents. So Call it the your fucked zone. It, right? Yeah, it's the dead yeah. center of the Pacific Ocean. Think of it that way. Yikes. Yeah. And so um, it, what they did was they scooped up some sediment from on the ocean floor and then brought it up and started playing with it and testing it. And they discovered that <laughs> microbes, <laughs> they discovered yeah. microbes in there that they thought were dead. When it uh-huh. turns out they are actually just hibernating. These things are as old as 102 million years old and they revived yeah, you- them. I kind of remember reading about this now. This, these are the it says the title says the microbes were came back to life after a long time. Yeah. Oh, okay. All they oh, did wow. was feed them, and then they just came right back to life. That is that is nuts. And they found they found it at the farthest place of continents ever. Does that mean it's like that stuff's everywhere, or does that just mean it's it's only there because it's? Well, there are uh, unique properties weird. to this area. A lot of currents uh, carry everything to 
this specific area. And so it's rich with uh, life up top. And so um, the seabed doesn't get a lot of life uh, dropping down to it, like carcasses and food, essentially, for something living on the seabed. So it's essentially a desert down there. Um, So this may be unique to this desert where there's not a lot of life to disrupt these microbes and possibly eat them or, you know, otherwise get rid of them. Uh, that's just me talking. That's not science, but either way, they revived them and they're flourishing in the lab. I kind of remember a little bit more about it. actually. I think I must have thought about even doing that story because I know a little. I remember now. All I remember reading it at a glance is they said they were there was a lot of pressure on them, right? And so the pressure and cold might have kept them something. Either maybe that's why they hibernated, or that's why they stayed alive, or that's why they were unfucked with. It was something about the pressure. I thought. Do you okay. remember anything about that in the article? Yeah. I, I know. That's all I kind of remember. Okay, <laughs> okay cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on my A game today, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, no, we're too. We're not an A. We're not an A plus show. Like, dude, we're not scientists. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Mr. E's ants, uh, I just yeah, I, which we all know he has. News a ten. <laughs> I armchair read an article about uh, these ants that were living in a uh, nuclear bunker in Russia. Okay. And scientists found them back in 2013. And realized that they're they all them. worker ants, so there was no queen, uh-huh. and so they had no way of oh. reproducing. Oh, no. but the, oh, wow, okay. And so they're like, okay, cool, we'll leave you guys alone, bye. And they came back in 2019 and discovered over a million of them. They're still there. Yeah. And more of them, and they are reproducing. No. <laughs> so... What's They're happening? Just growing. What's happening is um, they were being fed by a drain. So uh, there was a drain leading from the outside world, and there was an ant colony on uh, the surface. And when the uh-huh. ants would explore, they would fall down this drain and fall into this bunker, i.e., okay. an escapable pit for an ant. Oh. And uh, <laughs> eventually, they turned to cannibalism to keep themselves alive. Oh wow. Yeah, and so ants would just fall into this thunderdome, and the other ants would kill them and eat them, and then uh, over a million of them fell down and started a, a cannibalistic colony. <laughs> I guess the radiation sterilizes them because the, the ants have to come from somewhere, right? So they come from the top world, and then they go down to the pit world, and they go down. Yeah, and so um, these whoever discovered them, the scientists, they gave them a bridge out. They essentially built like a, a lattice work that they could crawl out of, and uh, they did. So now these nuclear cannibal ants are living among us. Oh, that's that's not good. Twenty twenty, bro. What are we trying to do? <laughs> you want nuclear I, ants? That's how you get nuclear ants. I forgot. Yeah, is is August uh, cannibal and nuclear ants? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, dude. I had that in my my pool. <laughs> exactly. I have another NASA story. Uh, I guess NASA just keeps doing cool stuff, man. Um, but NASA is planning to send a big balloon into the stratosphere. Okay. A big old balloon. I mean, didn't, it. didn't Red Bull do that? Uh, what makes them so special? Simpsons did it. How big was the it. Red Bull balloon? Well, how, how, big, how big was the Red Bull? Uh, I don't balloon. know how big. It was big enough to carry a guy, and then he jumped from it. He did, like, Shh, a the guy? highest halo Get jump. Out of here. Yeah, put down Just the beer. Tell me big, more. Dude, no. I'm sorry. That guy, that guy ain't got nothing on this. Because NASA's planning to send an 8.4-foot telescope into the stratosphere on the balloon. And the balloon's going to be the size of a football stadium. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Put that in your fucking Red Bull pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Damn. 
Fuck Red, fuck Red Bull. That's what NASA said too. Fuck Red Bull. Um, so uh, they're going to send this telescope up to get uh, light wavelengths that are not visible to the human eye. Uh, and the telescope is called Astros. Astrot? Astros. 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 Is it named it's after some like. It's like, it's like AS, then the TH. So you want to go Astha, then ROS. Athros. Astro. It sounds like ass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Uh, and you get, it stands for Astrophysics Stratospheric Telescope for High Spectral Resolution Observations at Sub Millimeter Wavelengths. Ooh. Astros. And um, so, what's cool about this, though, is the balloon missions like Astros are higher risk than space missions, but they yield higher reward at modest cost. That's that's what they keep going over in this article. Like, this is doesn't it's not nearly as expensive to throw something on a balloon than just launch it into space. And they're really pushing that home. Like, this is like a a, a benefit to this type of tech using balloon technology. Okay, I could see that. Do they have a do they have a date? When they're going to launch, do they have any idea? A year, yes. December, December twenty twenty three from Antarctica. Holy shit! Okay, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to capture with this thing because I, I've seen a lot of uh, pictures online of the Neowise comet that just passed Earth or is still uh-huh. passing Earth. I'm not sure, um, and a lot of them have been photobombed by uh, uh, the Starlink satellites. Um, Elon Musk's uh, Starlink satellites. He's doing that on purpose. Right. So I, I think it's fascinating that I wonder what they're going to what they're going to see. And I guess launching from Antarctica is, is favorable for wind conditions and all of that. And I'm guessing it's also favorable for viewing. Oh, I'm assuming. And I think uh, some uh, emperor penguins are going to help out, too. So they need to be in their natural environment. Well, that's cool. Maybe the balloon yeah. will inspire them to fly and get up off their lazy asses. Ooh, pengu- penguins in space. The new movie coming to you. by Pixar. <laughs> Um, so back to Astros. <laughs> Pebble um, with a penguin too in space. <laughs> it's uh, the balloon's gonna go uh, gonna go up 130 feet or 24 miles into the air, which is approximately four times higher than commercial flights. I didn't really know how. I don't. I never think about that stuff. Hmm. And then and then for purpose, uh, comparison purposes, also the boundary of space is 62 miles above the Earth's surface. These are just all numbers I didn't know, so I thought they were kind of interesting. That is fun. And then, um, uh, yeah, NASA like, uh, was quoting and said, even though balloons seem antiquated, there's many advantages, advantages and like the cheaper launch costs. And I like this whole quote that NASA, that here's a statement that NASA said. So I'm going to I'm going to read it word for word. So they said balloon missions don't only have lower costs compared to space missions. They also have shorter times between early planning and deployment, which means they can accept the higher risks associated with using new or state of the art technologies that haven't yet flown in space. Huh. Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> really? And, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to chew on there. I just like how they're because they cost so much to, to blast off into space. I think they're just really getting off of like, dude, we got football stadium sized balloons now, man. Let's just get a couple things up there a little bit. And balloon technology. That's big, dude. That's a big old balloon. I can't wait to see it. That's incredible because that's bigger than a blimp, right? A blimp is not that big. A blimp oh, is not you see the size. Over football stadiums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like the whole. That's a huge dude. Yeah, I don't get how that's even because a work. telescope's got to be heavy. That has to be really heavy. Yeah, it says it's eight point two feet. I mean, eight point four. Damn. I mean, unless it's like Yo. made of plastic or something. That's crazy. That's okay. Oh, he's uh Hey, Mister E, you're not Mike. Or you're muted. Should we just listen to his conversation here? Uh huh. 
A few moments later. <laughs> post, post COVID, you need a you need a sign for you're not muted. You know, there's like this right. for choking. There needs to be oh, like no, some no, no. sort of anyway, I got it. For... I got it. Hold on, watch this. They have a, they have a... Watch this. I'm so excited. I can't read it. You can't read? No, yeah, it's okay. too. Uh, let close. me get back get to you. Get it close. There you go. Bomb bus. From the movie Speed. Good play. Yeah. As we all know good from the play. movie Speed. Okay. Yes. I, I appreciate it, man. That is such a good movie. One minute, 37 seconds later. Hi. Hey, buddy. <laughs> you're not you're not muted. You weren't muted the whole oh, time, you know that, right? <laughs> oh my god. I'm so it was great sorry. radio. Dude, was that was like radio. fucking emergency though. I'm really sorry. Like, no, I'm okay. really sorry about that, dude. Yeah, I didn't no, know. you should re-listen and see if it we, it might be trash or it might be gold. We we had a good time though. <laughs> yeah. no, don't air any of that, please. <laughs> no. So coming off of that magnificent uh Mr. E call there. Mystery, why don't you go ahead and cue up that story you teased us last time about uh, scrotums and frogs? And since oh, I love yes. I love scrotums and I love frogs, so let's get into this. Yeah, so uh, I mean, we we all know the the infamous Lake Titicaca. I mean, the name itself is ridiculous, but the ridiculous yes. names don't stop there. I mean, <laughs> there is a species of frog native to there called the scrotum frog. And the scrotum frog's in trouble. The scrotum frog of Lake Titicaca? The scrotum frogs <laughs> of Lake Titicaca are in trouble. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I can't are they wait. dying or are they yeah. dying? Or So what's okay. happening is... They're shrinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're frogs getting cold. Pretty gay. <laughs> what's happening is traditional medicines such as frog juice and habitat contamination are threatening their survival. Now, let me ask you guys, what do you think frog juice is? <laughs> I was just saying, what the fuck? Yeah, explain frog juice. I that was going to be my question, no matter what you said. You left out a crucial element to that frog juice. It's not just frog juice. It's scrotum, scrotum frog, frog juice. juice. Scrotum frog juice. <laughs> yes. so, and what frog juice is, is... Urine, there's urine in there. It's a, So it's a tonic known as frog juice, which is consumed for aphrodisiac properties. Of course. So you're swallowing scrotum frog juice to get turned on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just well, unpack I turned that on just hearing about it, so it has to work. <laughs> just unpack that for a second. Well, so yeah. what's happening is, uh, let me tell you a little bit more about the frog, though. Yes, uh, the, long ago. The frog is the world's largest aquatic amphibian, which is very interesting, I thought. Wait, uh, in the late 19th, this particular scrotum frog, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I wonder how they uh, define yeah. that, because uh, the scrotum frog is made up of a bunch of wrinkles and you know, I you That's you true. sent us a picture of it. So um, yeah, and so, so in the late. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just wondering. You know, do they measure uh, by folds? Do they do they stretch it out and measure it? You know, do they <laughs> they go tip to tip or yeah? Good question. So they said <laughs> in the late 1960s, an expedition led by Jacques Cousteau reported seeing scrotum frogs up to two feet in length, and the way they measured that was they Jeez. said it was from snout to vent oh my god so not even stretching out with the legs correct wow holy feet crap that is huge so so this story is a little more interesting than you know just what seems on the surface of being a funny topic how come they don't get 
as that big now? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe because Jacques of this pollution that they're talking about. Who knows? Or maybe they do get that big now. Or is that when was Jacques Cousteau's time? Isn't that not? It said 1960s. Uh, actually, it okay. says here. It says here that uh, most modern day individuals are closer to three to six point seven inches from snouts to vents. So they were considerably bigger back then. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think it. I don't think it really mentions why the the size change happened but it's all the love the frog juice why can't, <laughs> yeah, can't yeah the biggest ones <laughs> exactly the underpopulation and now they're just so they're so desperate for it they just don't let them get big enough I, so the uh, it right. says here we gotta, that, get some of, we gotta get some of this i gotta get some of this frog juice <laughs> yeah, Scroll the frog juice. <laughs> yeah so it says here that obviously the loose baggy skin which has multiple folds around their body is how it earned the nickname. But scientists speculate that the extra flaps are believed to be an adaptation to living in high altitudes. And this helps them to absorb more oxygen from the water. Ooh. And it says they can survive in up to 330 feet underwater. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Scrotum frogs are no joke, man. I don't think my own scrotum could survive that. <laughs> <laughs> It barely survives so it's where it's at. It's barely, yeah. it's in trouble right now, frankly, <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> so they are once abundant in the waters of Lake Titicaca, but they're under attack right now due to uh, pollution due to local mining. In 2016, over 10,000 dead scrotum frogs were found on the shores of Lake Titicaca, and this was most likely triggered by pollution from agricultural, agricultural and plastics mining or production. Ooh. And just but, to be clear, all those bodies were found by the booby police at Lake Titicaca. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just to, like, for the, the scrub frog again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, you just turn left down uh, Vagina Lane there. <laughs> I know. It's like, where does it stop like, with Jesus. that area? Like, God, someone was man. on drugs when they made all the names around there. Past the so ass it crack says here, uh, Obviously, other than the pollution, uh, like we said, the frog juice is another factor of why they are going underpopulated and it says at local markets you can find their legs served grilled or roasted and even buy amulets and bags made from the frog's bodies i Does bet those magical? bags are awesome i don't i don't I condone like, it yeah <laughs> but i bet <laughs> those bags sounds, are amazing sounds magical as fuck like it definitely does. There's been no, there's been no negatives about the scrotum frog so far. By the way, <laughs> yeah, sounds like it's scrotum frog like, is overpowered. Back, yeah. back in the day, didn't you, uh, didn't you used to kill your enemies, cut off their balls, and turn it into a coin purse? Right, turn oh, their scrotum into a coin yeah, purse. Was that a thing? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that where the term coin purse comes from? Or maybe it was a cow that they did it to, or when they castrate a cow, or you know what I mean? I don't Dude. know. I'm just saying yeah to that one. I'm not sure on that one actually. <laughs> But I mean, a scrotum Wait, is, is a perfect. Where they got the udder bag from? They just got the udder from a from a cow. cow? Maybe there's no udder bag. I'm making that up. <laughs> <laughs> fuck out of here! I go, did. Go turn left on vagina corner in Lake Titicaca <laughs> with scrotum frogs and call the booby police. You fucking. <laughs> I'll stick so, the clitorati no, on you, buddy. Basically, <laughs> basically, this topic wraps up by saying that. Um, let's see these. There's going to be scientists from basically Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, and the United States. They're all going to be sent out to study the frogs' habitats and carry out genetic analyses to figure out which steps would be the best take to take to protect the species. 
and it will be backed by both the Peruvian and Bolivian governments. Yeah. So that's a big deal for them. Dude, something's going on with those things. You don't hunt things to existence just because. There's like, yeah. <laughs> there's a reason. The, the buffalo, we almost hunted them to existence because every part of the buffalo was amazing and they could use it back in the Western times. No, this, this thing, is, no, this reminds me of the pangolin in China. Are you familiar with the pangolin? It's like a scaly mammal. Oh, oh, the yeah, like the, turns into a ball. Yeah, it's like an armadillo, but these scales are uh, much bigger and... What uh, they use it for over there is an aphrodisiac and uh, like herbal medicine and whatnot. And, you know, there's no real science behind it. It's the same thing as a scrotum frog and rhino horn. You know, it's all this all this crap fucking oysters. You know, there's no science behind any of this. What? Hopefully our scientists can figure it out. I'm throwing this all away then. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking into something, a new material. New material alert. We always like materials on the show. Oh, I love my materials. I know, because, Sean, you are a designer. You like to hear new, cool things, ways to maybe create the next greatest Stargate weapon out of your 3D printer. Mm-hmm. Well, this may not help with that, but it, could, it but get your mind working on it, though, because I think you are going to do something cool with this thing. So I guess uh, this is now the the brightest fluorescent material ever made. The brightest fluorescent material ever made. So... uh I mean, fluorescence are just a gas excited by electricity. So what is this material? Is this a gas? Is this a solid? It's a color. <laughs> okay. So this is... No, it's a material. It's a material. It's a material. All right. Um, so yeah, which is funny because when I think of fluorescent, I think of fluorescent lights. And yeah. yeah. I think of energy and something on there. But no, this is talking about like, I think I think it's talking the color itself. Huh. But I'll tell you more about it. Maybe you grab your head around it more. Right. I, like, I feel like I understand this topic like 70% but I still think it was really cool. So uh, like I said, it's the brightest fluorescent material. It's a new, the newest one, the world's brightest. And it's the first of its kind. And so rather than trying to improve fluorescent molecules, a team of chemists has developed a new way to preserve them that the optical properties that the fluorescent dyes already have. And so let me tell you more about this and then it'll make more sense. Cause the first, I have like two pages on this. So the first page is almost like a setup. <laughs> so bear with me, everyone. So I guess when you're trying to make flu- uh, fluorescent materials, uh, the tendency of fluorescent dyes are to fade and change colors when they convert them to a solid state from a liquid. I guess you have like a, a fluorescent liquid and you try to make a solid something from it and it it the colors fade don't look as bright as they should. Now, huh. I, was, I was hoping this is something you'd understand because like you said, you're kind of an artist and stuff too. I guess you don't. So let me tell you more about it. Well, you know, so, so. <laughs> it's, called, it's called it's called quenching. Have you heard that term maybe? Is quenching something? No, I've never heard of that. I thought you'd heard all this. I don't know anything about it, but like, because I guess it's a a dimming and brightness. So basically, tell you if you're coloring and making paint or something, this will happen even in fluorescent color. Well, I'll tell you, I love my art and I like drawing and creating stuff, but ultimately, I am a bad painter. I don't like working with paints. I'm not good at it. It takes a level of skill that I just I have not uh, trained myself for. I think you're good, but anyway, um, (laughs) you're wrong. so anyway, back to the fluorescent molecules. Evidently, they, they absorb light and then they re-emit them at a longer, lower energy wavelength. That's how they normally work. But however, all the th- uh, 100,000 fluorescent dyes developed to date, almost none of them can be mixed predictably and reliably. So huh. think of it this way, too. If you put like a, a fluorescent dye in someone's body and then they x-ray them, that's how they use a fluorescent liquid. So does that make sense? So it's not a neon thing. It's like a fluorescent bright something. So think of it that way. Yeah, but... 
I mean, okay, so you're talking about uh, dyeing something of fluorescent colors and how unreliable that is. But then on the counter side of that is um, construction worker vests in day glow orange. That's like a fluorescent color. So, I mean, it, they just came up with a brighter version of it? Yes. I, okay. believe that, I believe that's what they've done. Again, okay. like I said, I always, I always understood some of it. But I can tell you some of the applications of what fluorescents are for. Maybe this will help wrap your head around it. Because this is how they use fluorescence already. And so if we get this technology even better, we'll, we'll get to have better versions of all this stuff. So we could... So we, any technology that needs bright fluorescence or calls for designing optical properties, including solar energy harvesting, bioimaging, and lasers. Everyone loves lasers. Up-converting light to capture more of the solar spectrum. Light-switchable materials used for information storage. And photochromic glass. And then, uh, blah, 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 one more thing. Oh, yeah, fluorescent biomarkers and cell research and OLED screen technology. I see. Okay, so these fluorescent materials, as we're talking about, when you mix them up, they basically go under, they undergo quenching, which is a dimming in brightness, and their quantum efficiency degrades. And it's just something to do with all the, it's called exciton coupling, and when the dyes are converted into a solid, they become packed close together, which results in them being coupled or pretty much dimmer because they're touching each other so i guess things should be brighter in this fluorescent world than they really are because there's no way every time you mix them up it just kind of makes something bright but they should be a lot brighter because they start out in like a, a liquid form i guess it's just when they make it solid it it dims even though they still seem fluorescent to our eyes so this new way they found it so now that you know all that stuff that when, uh -huh. the, when the, all the molecules and shit get too packed together here's the new way so they developed a solution based on the fact that the molecules, they have to keep them apart. So they'll be brighter that way. So they took a colorless solution of macrocyclical molecules called sinostars, and they mixed them with the fluorescent dye. And basically what it really did is it was like it made a bunch of ring-shaped molecules, and it basically just made, made a bunch of caverns. And so like the little dye or whatever it was, the little molecules, all don't touch each other. And since they don't touch it, it creates like a way more brighter, way, like I said, it's the brightest of uh, fluorescent material now to date is this stuff. And what's cool about it is it it can work with stuff that's already created because you pretty much just add this this new stuff they created to it. Oh, the dyes that are already on the shelf and it'll just make that lattice work happen. And so it'll just make brighter things already. So you're telling me that this can be used for like construction vests and cones. I believe and... so. In some way, like a paint, like a, it'd be like a fluorescent paint or something. Or Yeah, it's just a dye you make. mix to exactly. the mixture. Sure, for sure. And there's, they're saying this material can be taken in several directions. It could be grown into crystals. It could be, it could form a dry powder, or it could be incorporated directly into polymers. And like I said, it it, uh, it currently is available. The fluorescent dye should work off the shelf with any of the team's macrocycle. Oh yeah, macrocycle solution is what it is. But pretty much, you any any type of dye you already have, this will just make it brighter because, like I said, it kind of it compartmentalizes, for lack of a better term, the all the atoms or the molecules in there so they don't touch each other and if since they don't touch each other they don't quench or get dimmer they so they stay brighter so it's like it's the brightest material that's very cool burning. it it reminds me of um like a pearlescent so you can't like mix the primary colors into a pearlescent uh, i don't know what a pearlescent is so pearlescent is a pearl you, you when you look at a pearl or you look at a pearlescent paint job uh you look at it from one uh -huh. angle and it's you know it's a different color than when you look at it from a different angle oh that kind that's a pearl oh, okay 
Um, oh, I, I don't have pearls. I didn't know that was. I thought it was just this thing that the the clam pooped out. Well, th- that's what they do. They grind up pearls, or they used to. That's how they came up with this, and they mix it in with paints, and it gives it this shimmer effect. Oh, cool! I but didn't know that. so that reminds me of this. Can you add? I'm wondering if you can add this new concoction into just you know your average red house paint, and does it make it uh, now a fluorescent red? Yeah. I don't know about that, but that would it, that would be interesting. On some level, I want to say you have to start with a fluorescent base just to make it fluoresce because I don't know if it's all colors. They just kept mentioning fluorescence, but they kept going back to like the reason this is as bright as it should be is it's too close together. They 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 likened it to like kids in a classroom, but if you get it like 50 kids in a classroom, we're all going to be talking and pay, not paying attention and not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So this almost like keeps them all on their desk and they and by doing that, yeah. they they shine brighter. So I don't so I don't know if that would work for all colors in general. That'd be cool. I don't know. That's kind of cool. So I've got Maybe something. Maybe you can use it in some some futuristic design. Dude, someone is blowing up my phone right now. I don't know who it is. I don't recognize the number. Help save me. I have, is, a, I have someone's phone up on the side of the highway. This is like the third time they've called me. <laughs> really? I'll die if you don't answer. No, jeez. <laughs> Mr. Recall. Hey, answer it. Mr. E answered the phone. If it's telemarketer, uh, you're gold. Telemarketer, gold. Dude, fourth time. Crazy. Okay, anyways. Pick it up. No, I'm not picking it up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so uh, if I asked you to tell me a rare material found in Africa, what would you say? Uh, I would say Wakandium or or what's that stuff called? Uh Vibranium. Vibranium, oh. that's right. Give me a second. I was I was freaking out. I was like, oh god, I can't think. I'm on the spot. I tried this on um Broomhilda earlier. Uh-huh. Expecting her to say vibranium, and she was like, Oh, uh, elephant tusk. And I'm just uh. like, ah, <laughs> fuck, she's right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this isn't as good. Oh, is that is that the real answer? No, the real answer is oh. uh Tanzanite. Oh, that's yeah. There's a guy, right? So Tanzanite is a Tanzanite mineral exclusive to Tanzania. And back in June, there was a man who discovered two large Tanzanite stones worth 3.35 million U.S. dollars. Found that when? Back in June. So a couple months ago. Found How two stones. That? Like that's your... Size of your fist or something? Uh, this one, uh, the largest of the two stones, weighed 21 and a half pounds. Oh, wow. That's a big boy. That is. It's huge. Yeah, so I thought that was very interesting that Tanzanite was exclusive. It's an exclusive rare gem to Tanzania and is one of the rarest gems in the world. Why is it? Yeah, I wonder why it's only there. And then recently, he found a third stone. Oh, bro. We got to go there. And sold Through it gold for rush. two million. Tanzanite Rush, the newest disco- the, from Discovery, Tanzanite Rush. We're, we're all millionaires. We just got to get the Tanzanite out of the ground. <laughs> that was a Gold Rush reference. Anyone doesn't watch Discovery's Gold Rush, you should. Last week on Gold Rush. Todd Hoffman. <laughs> What's some gold? Yeah. <laughs> we can't talk about this. We'll talk about it for 10 hours. <laughs> no. We can't do it. Have you ever seen someone mine ass backwards? <laughs> In, Welcome. In the glory hole, <laughs> Todd Hoffman is digging again. So apparently this guy in his one-man show, he's like a he, he's a, a small-scale miner. And okay. overnight, he became a millionaire. 
Yeah, that's the American dream, the Tanzanite dream, Tanzania dream. But what do you do? What, like, in my mind, if I find stones that are worth three point five million dollars, and or three point thirty five million, and um, you know, turn them in, get my money, I immediately buy up the surrounding land and dig up the rest of it. And I think that's what he did because he found a third freaking stone. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's you know he's creating a business in a profitable one. Oh, dude, he doubled down on that bet, man. Press it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I'd be curious as to why it's only there in Tanzania. Like, what happened there? Is it some meteor strike that destroyed the whole place or something a million years ago? That's why it's only there. Some volcano. Like, why is it? I'm just curious why it's there. I, yeah, I have no, no idea. Else. But, uh, you know, he's doing good with it. He wouldn't. I don't know if he's doing what I would do. Um, but he has already built two schools and he plans to invest back into his community. So. Good for him. Wakanda wasn't built in the day. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Next time on Tanzania Wars. <laughs> Todd Hoffman. Here's a here's Hoffman. tale of Tanzanite in Tanzania. <laughs> we gotta dig up two miles of stuff now to find her there was Tanzanite there. Let's not do any test. <laughs> okay. Um, we gotta shut up. Like, no, no one likes this but us, but the show called Gold Rush, and if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um Okay, I thought this was really cool. Um, basically, um, they did a study on a, they called it a medieval potion. And it's actually effective, it's an effective bacteria killer. A medieval potion? Aren't all kind of concoctions medieval, like beer? Isn't that a me- medieval potion to a degree? I don't know. This this is a thousand-year-old recipe. Is beer a thousand years old? A mead is, and wine, and... I'd assume it is. I mean, I guess that's a good point. We'll do art. <laughs> Could you say a human is a medieval potion? <laughs> well, that's why I always think like <laughs> people are like, uh, alchemy, that's the wave of the future. And it's like, well, that's just science. God damn it. Like, <laughs> alchemy Dude, is actually, science. You know what's funny? Keep alchemy in mind because I swear the whole time I was reading this article, I was like, alchemy. All right. Hit me. I want to I want to hear about Hoffman. alchemy. You, you should have mentioned Todd Hoffman. Now I'm like, alchemy <laughs> with Todd Hoffman over and over again. Okay. So it's a thousand year old recipe to treat uh, to treat eye infections. And this could lead to an unorthodox way of combating antibiotic resistance. So here's here is the medieval potion. It's garlic, onion, wine, and a dash of bovine bile. <laughs> oh my god. That's it. I was like, I think I put all of those into a spaghetti sauce. And <laughs> then you're like, bovine. No, nope, not that one. It was a vial so of bovine what? Bovine bile. Oh man, that's hard to get. Yeah, I know. You gotta have one of those cows with the hole in its side so you can reach in and yeah. just ladle yeah, it out into the pot. I got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> so this medieval recipe was called it's called Bald's Eyes Eye Salve. Bald as if as if yeah, his like as if your name is bald. Because it actually came from a book. It's called Bald's Leech Book. <laughs> and early <laughs> <laughs> We were we were talking about World of Warcraft earlier. This is this is next I level. I know, I know. I, that's what was so crazy. It's called Bald's Leech Book, and it's an early Anglo-Saxon medical textbook containing advice and recipes for medicines, lotions, or salves, and treatments. And the book was written around 905 CE, which I don't know what that means. Uh-huh. Wait, I, okay, did the call happen again? I, I want to... Did you just get called again? So many times. If they call again... If they call one more time, you answer that motherfucking thing on air. This is this will be called the phone show, and I'll I'll fuck you. There's something, dude. I want to hear. I want to hear live. No, it, there's a message. Uh, what up, G? 
is me, uh, crazy medio to numero unguana, want to talk you to you. Hit me up. Bro, call oh, back. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a drug addict at all. I know. Please Munchie, call. it's me, Angie. Call me back. He's got two <laughs> different numbers here. Fucking Munchie. Wow. Dude, hey, I'm going to answer. Hello. Hi, my name is not Munchie. I'm not. I don't know who Angie is. <laughs> no. Yeah, all right. All right. Uh, you too. You too. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> God, I'd take, that was gonna blow up all fucking episode. If she, what did it say? What did it say? It was what a girl. Say? She uh, was very sorry, and uh, hopefully, I don't get any more calls. First of all, if, if you get another call, you pick it up on speakerphone so we can all hear. God, it's like we haven't. Remember, we used to do prank calls all the time. You've lost your, you've lost your edge, man. <laughs> what if it's my doctor <laughs> that I forgot about, like from two years ago, and he's like, "Ah, oh, your genital warts. How are they doing?" You know, what if it's something like that? I don't need that. Yeah, he's calling. He's calling right now. He's not <laughs> calling now. You know, it was some drug thing. You Ten o'clock yourself. at night. Yeah, it, was, it was. It was absolutely I a drug know. thing. <laughs> I know. I wanted to hear it. You just have some drug problem. You don't want us to know about. So it's like some deal. Like I got some quality H, Sean. Come on, get on the. <laughs> You know you want back on this train. You're like, shut up. I'm podcasting right now. Call me later. All right. Tell me about um, your potions. God damn it. Enough with okay, this so phone Bald, bullshit. Bald's Leech Book, if you recall, before <laughs> you right. got, it kept getting interrupted. Bald's Leech Book. And it's an early Anglo-Saxon medical textbook containing advice and recipes for medicines and lotions and salves. I think we said all this. And it was written around 905 CE. What is CE? I should have looked this up. I don't know. CE. Common Era. Ooh. Oh, thank you. Um, it was found in the British Library. And um, so basically someone, oh yeah, this study is based off an old study where someone was studying this eye salve and they discovered that the lotion in the book or whatever was surprisingly effective as an antibacterial compound against Staphylococcus aureus, or basically a staph infection. I wonder so if they can refine, though, back, they got to refine yeah. this compound and figure out exactly what in it is doing the trick. So that way we're not Keep. combining wine, garlic, tomatoes, or Vinegar. I like that you just said that. Cucumber. That is a huge. That is a huge uh, factor. Keep that in your mind. That's actually a wrong thought. Oh, but it's weird because it's the right thought. No, but keep that in your mind. It's All weird. Right. Hit me. Everyone, everyone thinks that way, right? And this is why this is kind of cool about this. This is why we, when he kept saying alchemy, I kept thinking like, dude, you're right? It is like almost like a so magic. Thing. And so this study is exciting because it demonstrates how mixtures of specific plant ingredients, such as those found in the balls eye salve. It looks like eye slave. I keep saying eye slave, but it's an eye salve. Um, it can sometimes work better than individual components in fighting infection. So kind of like you're saying where, uh, okay, so Bald's eye salve couldn't be whittled down to a single ingredient. For it to work, all ingredients had to be present, highlighting the importance of studying combinations of compounds. And this is why I thought alchemy, like, number one, I was like, it only works if they're all there. You need the bile. You need the garlic, a little dash of wine <laughs> and some <laughs> onion. But you have to have every little bit of it to make it do this. <laughs> okay. It's crazy. Well, I mean, that just means there's a compound in every little bit of it that works, right? Or there's, again, there's sci there's shit there that you don't need. Like, it's some component or enzyme of each one of those that is acting together and doing it we need the bile you're trying to get rid of the bile we need the bile i really want to get rid of the bile but that's probably the key ingredient honestly i i would think i would think that's probably the little gives it the little little oomph to it and so this new study the they recreated the boot the, the brew the you know the 
iSalve. And uh, they tested it against five bacterial strains. And it all shown to have, and all these strains showed varying degrees of resistance to standard antibiotics. That's another thing too. Like they're all growing resistant to standard stuff. Yeah. And so this bald's iSalve demonstrated a promising antibacterial activity against these bacteria, which is cool. And also it wasn't harmful to human or mice cells, which is also nice. But uh, even the scientist says how, as, a, as to how it works, it is a bit of a mystery. <laughs> that's, that's all. That, hey. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a little bit of a like fuck this, but um, but they kept going. They keep hammering the stone. Like the eye salve is a sum of its total parts, and it cannot be attributed to a single ingredient. It requires the combination of all ingredients to achieve full activity. Wrote the researchers, and so the new research shows the importance of sourcing antibacterial compounds with multiple ingredients. Because, like you said, I think that is a big thing where a lot, a lot of ingredients now, or a lot of medicines they're like oh the active ingredient is blank the active ingredient is this and then it's all built around that this is like more of an alchemic oh, a little bit of this and that and it all needs to be in there to create the potion if you will to make it all good and yeah. so that could be a new, a new way of study going forward is like pretty much start smashing stuff together again and see what happens <laughs> again yeah alchemy for sure uh, it yeah. is alchemy because that's what bald that's what bald's leech book is. I'm sure he just sat there and smashed shit or heard stuff or someone somewhere in time had to do all this crap that that you know someone had to someone had to like do that. Well, Otherwise, how do we know it? I I love the idea that throughout the ages people have been combining different things to see what happens. Like that's how you come up with dynamite. That's how you come up with gunpowder and blah blah blah. Like. Let's get uh, frog juice from the fro the scrotum frog in Titicaca, and yep. let's take it across the world to the pangolin in China, and then For really sure, give them boners. You know what I mean? Like let's just like combine everything. Dude, I bet you put it some of the scrotum frog juice in with some of the bile of the bovine, and then you know a, a mirepoix of garlic, onions, there and maybe go. a little mouse. Dude, there a little, you go. Look at all the potion going. Now we're talking maybe smoking the smoker like the two hours. <laughs> Maybe at 200 degrees. Well, that was, like... That's another thing I was thinking is what's their what's their cook method for this? Because you're not just drinking things I raw. Know. I want like – I you, have no idea. You got to cook some bile, they right? They didn't say anything about cooking, yeah. I have no idea. They didn't mention how they were cooking it, but I was sitting there too like – I don't know. It just, and, then, it like you, and then what do you feed like the once cow? Once you put the bile, they get poofed out. What do you feed the cow? You know what I mean? Like if you want your bile tasting a certain way, do you give it a bunch of ginger? And then that helps Ooh. spice it up. You know what I mean? Like, what do you what do you, you know do there? You shoot this cow with a femtosecond laser. Oh, and my then God. somehow that'll make the bile. Femto. Yeah, if you use a femtosecond laser, that always helps stuff. No, 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 and no, no, no. And the bile will make bubbles in the bile. It'll make bile bubbles, which will make the better. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind. You feed the cow, the wine, the uh, garlic, the onions, and the garlic, and the onions. And then once it's partially digested, of course, you got to kill the cow. But you scoop that shit out and drink it, and I think yeah. you're immortal or something, right? Like, that's how that would work? I think you have to drink the blood of the entire cow. But if you do that, yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of blood. That's going to take a while. You can't. Well, if you want superpowers, you got to do it. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Would you drink the blood of a cow? Like, I mean, how much? That's like. The in, I was say the entire cow. No, that's the thing. How many gallons anyone is would that? drink blood of a lot. How many bloods of. How many gallons of bloods in a cow? Let's just say, no? <laughs> okay. So I'm guessing eight. Oh, I'd say I don't know why I would say an evil number like thirteen. Okay, you ready? Uh, yes. What are your final guesses? Eight to thirteen. 
13 and 8. Okay. It says here that there is approximately 9.5 to 10.3 uh, gallons. Okay. Uh, it's really not that much. But Max, you're telling me you would drink not that much. You would drink Dude, that many water is like <laughs> But yes, the answer is I would drink eight gallons of cow blood if, it, if I got superpowers at the end. But you don't Wouldn't know what you? kind of superpowers you're going to get. This is a dice roll. Who cares? Really? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you're stupid. Get away from me. <laughs> well, I mean, is this a world where like there's like negative rogue powers where I can't touch anyone ever again? Yeah. Or every time I get a boat or I kill someone. That's still... <laughs> The answer is I'd still take the chance, but uh, that is that'd be concerned. You wouldn't do this, ah, man. I, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a well, lot there's of no time limit. True that. Is there? Is there like? In, is gotta, there like? You, you have to do it a day. Well, you have to like, drink it while it's still warm, and microwaving it is oh, out of the outside. <laughs> Dude, actually, if you want, like, if you want to think of the logistics here, not to get too Scooby movie on you, uh-huh. um, but um, Scooby movies, I know, <laughs> I know. We're in a Scooby movie segment where we annoy Mister E for going way too much into this topic. Like uh-huh. eight gallons of blood. Like I think you'd only do like don't you barf up like even a gallon of milk after a couple oh, of like you know, dude. Yeah, you like, couldn't handle much. Just a gallon. You'd have to really. What they say. Yeah, and, and actually, I know about drinking blood. Like, you have to get used to it, too. So you throw it up in the beginning. I remember I was watching some vampire show, and they talk about that, where people think you just drink blood be okay. No, you're going to barf it up. So it almost, I'd probably do, like, a cup. I start getting used to, no, I have to, go, I have to go higher than that. You have to do a cup a day? Half, half, you're going to get superpowers in, like, go, 10 half, years I'm, or something. I'd go for half a gallon. <laughs> Shut up. I'd have half a gallon. And then I started kind of working my way up from there. And then I'd make like black blood macaroni and cheese and stuff. <laughs> and, then, and, that's, and then that's what I do. Uh, well, speaking of arts and crafts, Mr. E, I hear you have a game for us tonight. I sure do. It's been a while. We're waiting for the Star Wars game, and that's going down soon. Nice. Wait, right. soon you mean like right now? Or soon like. <laughs> do we want to take a break or? Right after this break. 12 seconds later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's time for this segment of Mr. E's Mysteries. And as you know, the topic tonight will be Star Wars. Now, you guys are going to need a pen and paper for this, or you're going to type it down in a notepad or something in Windows. It is going to be a multiple choice, and it is going to be based on only the original series. As in oh, the original man. trilogy. Okay. Yes. So, oh, man. We're going to do the format a little differently this time. We're going to go one question at a time. So I'm going to read the question and all the choices. You guys tell me when you're locked in, and then I'll tell you the correct answer and the point value, and then you can mark it up and add it up as we go. How many questions are there so I can mark it on my paper? Ten questions. All right. right. You're getting ready here. Ready. I'm ready when you guys are, so you just let me know. I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> Ready. Did you study? Did you study for this? No, I didn't study at all. I didn't. All right. I don't need- Question one. What planet does the Empire choose to destroy first in order to demonstrate the destructive capability of the Death Star? Is it A, Alderaan, B, Dantooine, C, Yavin, or D, Geonosis? Okay, I'm locked in. Easy. The correct answer is A, Alderaan. Yep. That question was worth one point. 
Question right. two. What was Luke Skywalker's call sign during the Battle of Yavin? Was it A, Red Leader, B, Red Five, C, Gold Leader, or D, Red Two? The Battle of Yavin. Dude, I hate myself. Dude, I fucking already fucked up because the first one, I know the answer was Alderaan, but I was thinking on the in the expanded series where there actually was like a, a nether... <sighs> <laughs> I know. I know. I movies only. I got to think movies See. only. <laughs> Mr. E was talking about you before this game, and he was like, yeah, you know, we're going to get a lot of extra content from Max on this one. Fuck, oh, <laughs> dude. I already fucked up the first one, though. Anyway. All right. Could you repeat the. Uh... Yep. I'll repeat it. What was Luke Skywalker's call sign during the Battle of Yavin? A, Red Leader. B, Red Five. C, Gold Leader. D, Red Two. Okay. I guess B. I'm guessing red five. Oh, we have to say it out loud to you guys? Oh, uh, you just tell me when you're locked in and I can tell you the I'm answer. Locked yeah, I'm okay. locked in. Okay. The correct answer is B. Hey. Yeah, it is. Worth nine points. And that was red five, by the way. Question three. In the Star Wars saga films, who is surrounded by droids before asking, do we have a plan B? Is it A, Obi-Wan Kenobi? B, Luke Skywalker? C, C-3PO? Or D, Han Solo. Surrounded by droids? Who, in the Star Wars saga films, who is surrounded by droids before asking, do we have a plan B? A, Obi-Wan Kenobi. B, Luke Skywalker. C, C-3PO. D, Han Solo. Okay, I'm locked in. That's kind of a weird one. I'm locked in. The correct answer is A, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That question's worth 10 points. Fuck. I mean, I, know I, still, I missed the first one. I know that answer. I just thought too much into it. God, <laughs> like I know it is. Question four. Who does Luke see in his vision while in the cave during his Jedi training with Yoga and Dagobah? Is it A, Obi-Wan Kenobi, B, Darth Vader, C, Yoda, or D, Princess Leia? That's not the right answer anyway. Which one was Darth Vader? B. B. I know it's technically Luke, right? He sees himself. Yeah, I was waiting for that answer. <laughs> I guess, me that's too. That's the first one wrong. That's all I got the first one wrong. I thought way too much into it. It's like no, it's just stupid. Whatever you think it is, I know. I know. The correct answer is B. Darth Vader. Yeah, we're two points. Fuck, dude, I'm gonna lose this if I. Max, I gotta do. I gotta. If I win this by one point, you'll I know, never. You're gonna, lose, I, you're gonna win because number one. I know. End of it. I know. <laughs> I'm freaking out, man. I want to like. Uh, like everyone I miss, you've missed. Everyone, uh, go keep going. Who said greed can be a powerful ally? Is it A, Qui-Gon Jinn, B, Palpatine, C, Vader, or D, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Hey, really, first of all, why, <laughs> are we talking about the original series still? The original three, or are we, are we allowing one, two, and threes? Okay. Uh, this is supposed four, to be five, the original six. series only. Okay, four, four, five, six. Okay. Okay, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. The answer is A, Qui-Gon Jinn. That question's worth four points. <laughs> How is he oh, in the original yeah. series? Hang on, hang I'm on. Not even in. Hang on, hang on. That's why. Okay, <laughs> so. Because I got this from the internet, so. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. I thought yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn was a complete throw because, uh, you know, obviously he's from one, two, three. But Mystery, yes. in your defense, you don't you don't know that much about Star Wars. I don't. So. It's okay. So, Max, I think this is That's a, why I, this is an even better wild card than us. This is awesome because that's did what he's talking about. A? Did that's... you get this right? Did you get this right? 
No, I didn't. I wish. Okay, good. Because okay, that's what he's talking to. If you got this right, I'm fucked. Okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, as long as you both got it wrong. Well, he's talking about Watto at that point. Qui-Gon Jinn's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bet this guy because, you know, greed's a powerful ally and this guy's greedy and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Okay. No, I didn't. I just cut it out like it can't be him. So I didn't even think about him. I said Palpatine. And then he goes like, Pal-. I said D and then I crossed it off and said B. I was freaking I out. I said Obi-Wan. Okay. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, that should be the only question that's not the original three, but because I'm looking for the nice <laughs> I need, I, need, I need to be shot on one to get ahead. I, I'm behind. I know for a fact I'm behind already. Moving on. Question six. How many Imperial officers did Darth Vader discipline with the force choke during the Empire Strikes Back? Is it A, one, B, two, C, three, or D, five? I'm locked in. I'm locked in. The correct answer is C, three Imperial officers. That question was worth six points. Did you get that right? I'm not telling you. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Question seven. Which ship did Han Solo and his crew of rebels use to infiltrate the forest moon of Endor in order to destroy the Empire's shield generator? Is it A, Tiderium, B, the Millennium Falcon, C, Home One, or D, Avenger? God damn it. I know the class. It's called a Lambda class fucking thing. I thought you meant that. Oh, bro. I am locked in. Dave, one more time. Which ship did Han Solo and his crew of rebels use to infiltrate the force moon of in order to destroy the Empire Shield generate? A, Titerium. B, Millennium Falcon. C, Home One. D, Avenger. Okay, go. The answer is A, Titerium. That question was worth seven points. Only a few questions left. <laughs> what was the name? <laughs> Question eight. What was the name of the Ewok who found Leia unconscious on the forest moon of Endor after she was thrown off her speeder bike? I know was this one already, a, but he's gonna get it. Chirpa. B Wicket Warwick. Warwick. C Asha Fan or D T-Bone. Um T-Bone. Okay, I'll I'm read locked those in. Okay, you guys I'm, good? I'm locked in. Is it? I. It has. Yeah. It can't be B because yeah, it's locked named in. after the in. actor, right? All right. I'm locked in. The correct answer is B. It's Wicket Warren. Yeah. Okay, because his it name is. is Warren Wicket or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, it's it's Warwick Davis. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Or whatever. Yeah. Question three points. Okay. All right. Question nine. Who actually shot first? A Han Solo. B, Greedo. This all depends <laughs> on which version of the movie you watch. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. That's okay, let's just yeah. Go. Okay, yeah. Well, he said original. This is the original. Well, that's true. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Let me change that. I think the keyword there is actually. Okay, I'm ready. I'm locked in. Host Max? I, I have. Okay, it said A, Han Solo. Yes, that's what I wrote. I think okay, that's correct. I think Disney and that is correct. George Lucas uh, changed it after the fact. Like one of the two. Okay. Yeah, that's for five points. Did you get that, Max? I'm gonna lose this shit. Yeah, I did. I'm <laughs> gonna lose because of the first one. Last I, got, I, I thought way too much into it. Question ten: Which particular insult did Princess Leia use that bothered Han Solo the most? A. Rogue. B, 
scruffy looking, C, nerf herder, or D, scoundrel? Locked in. Locked in. The correct answer for the final question of the quiz is B, scruffy looking for eight points. I fucked up, I think. I think you, I think you might have locked up. <laughs> Because of the crucial number one Alderon, man. It was I, got, I think I scored the same as Sean, even. Let's see here. Add him up. Oh, okay. Oh. Hopefully you guys, uh, the listeners at home, played along. Don't forget to follow our Instagram and Twitter at BTMT underscore podcast. Yep. Okay. I, I got my answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Host Sean, what was your you score? Be, I'm gonna... <laughs> my score was 35. I got twenty seven. I got twenty seven, bro. And Maestro over here. I have to Maestro, did what? you count your points? I got thirty five also. Hey! Oh wow. Yeah. There you go. I felt like I was going right along with Sean. Very nice. That dart or the What's the one you got that I must have missed? But I mean obviously number one, I just thought too much into. I know the answer was Alderaan, but I thought they were because they destroyed a planet before. I was like, he's asking about that one, but I got number one no, right. Remember, he's number explaining two. like we're gonna. I know after I after, oh. yeah afterwards he's like, oh, this is only about the movies anyway. I'm like, yeah, I thought way too much. Did this. you like, get Shuttle Tiberium? That's the mm-hmm. one. I I overthought that one too because in my mind I'm like, is he because technically like, they used. I know it's that Lambda class thing, but in my mind I was like, it's the they... way it's the way they see it. Like Shuttle Tiberium, you're no, cleared for landing on the, en- the moon of Endor. <laughs> what, is your, what is your code? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's the Lambda class. I know what it is. It's the triangle thing, but wow. my mind, my mind, I'm like, Post Max is gonna lose that one. <laughs> wow. So it turns out I know more about Star Trek and Star Wars, apparently. Jeez. Oh man, let me go yeah, put him on suicide watch over there. <laughs> yeah, now those questions were whack. I mean, there was obviously a, a fucking uh, episode one question, oh. so the whole thing's invalid. So yeah, we're gonna spin the wheel to find out what the next one is. We're gonna spin the wheel. Let's go full screen here. All, All right. right, so dude, I know more about Star Wars than my left fucking picky uh, than you do. Uh, <laughs> I read the books. Apparently right. not. And the movies. I read uh, the movies. Jurassic Park. You don't know Shuttle Tidarium? I'm sorry, Mister E. We <laughs> no, got we got, we got a lot of hate over here. Technically, uh, technically, they used the fucking Millennium Falcon first to get to the Titan. Like I thought all that shit, and I'm like, no, it's just because I kept thinking he meant like. To destroy the Death Star, he's like Endor Moon. I'm like, Ugh. well, why don't we find oh, out man. about the next quiz you're going to lose at? What are, what are our choices, Mystery? All right, the available choices for next game are Jurassic Park, Max's choice, Sean's choice, Mystery's choice, Comic Con, movie quotes, pop culture, beer and liquor, insects, <laughs> Stargate, and Marvel. Okay. All right, here we go. We're giving it a spin. If it, if it lands and on Max's choice, the next quiz is oh shit, Mr. E's choice. <laughs> I like that one. All right, Star Wars, Star Wars again. <laughs> I'm, gonna right now, bitch. Choose, I'm gonna go ahead and choose movie quotes for the next trivia game. Oh, I thought for <laughs> sure, I thought for sure it was gonna be uh, Naruto. <laughs> yeah, for real. Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> exactly. Check us out next time when we go into Sean's teddy bear collection. 
Alright, well thank you for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything. And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at BTMT underscore podcast, and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.